Hello, and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. I am going to open up by reading to you two portions of Scripture. This message, by the way, it is very specific for this service. So I am excited what God is about to say to us. I want to read to you from the book of John, the 11th chapter, verses 20 through 44. Then I'm going to skip on over and I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Now, if you have read your Bible before or have ever been in church before, most likely you have heard this story before. This is the story where Jesus raises a man from the dead by the name of Lazarus. I want to jump into the text Moments before Jesus miraculously calls Lazarus out of the grave. And I want to just focus on the time before the miracle. That is very pertinent for the people in this room. There is a time before the miracle and there's an expectation on our behavior on our way to the miracle. John 11 verses 20 through 44. As we dive in, here's what it says. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Understand that four days ago, Jesus gets word from Mary and Martha that the one that he loves, Lazarus, is sick. Jesus sends word back to Mary and Martha and says, listen, the sickness, it won't end in death. But then decides to stay where he is for four more days. As he stays where he is for four more days, Lazarus dies. So now you have a very frustrated and confused Mary and Martha because they got a word that does not seem to match their reality. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. You know, at one point, Mary would have ran to meet Jesus. Had Jesus healed Lazarus when They wanted him to be healed. She probably would have ran to meet Jesus, but she's upset with Jesus, so Mary's being petty. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. You could just feel the aggression. You could feel the frustration, like I'm about to tell you something. Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Man, can you imagine getting hit with one of the seven I am statements of Jesus? Just imagine that moment. Jesus, Jesus is responding to her. Martha thinks that she's narrating this conversation, but, but Jesus is still God, amen? And he reminds her of that. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Listen, do you believe this, Martha? It is imperative that we note That Jesus does never ask a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. 
He is not asking Martha to find out from Martha. He is asking Martha so that Martha could find out who she is. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She, she called Mary aside from the mourners. Mary decided instead of meeting with the Messiah, she preferred to hang out with the mourners. Instead of being with the author of life, she found it better to hang out with those that know how to celebrate death. She hung out with the mourners. She returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here. My brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived to the tomb. A cave with the stone rolled across his entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, Martha, the dead man's sister protested. Martha, the same Martha. Do you believe this Martha? That Martha. Do you believe this, Martha, Martha? That's Martha. The dead man's sister protested, Lord, he's, he's been dead for days. The smell will be terrible. Don't you love when you become so bold that you think you're going to put Jesus on? Like he don't know how to count. Like, oh, four days? <laughs> Didn't realize. He's been dead four days? The smell will be terrible. Wait a minute. Do you believe this or not? Jesus responded, and this is my whole sermon right here. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Other translations put it this way. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Did I not tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So then they rolled the stone aside and then Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb and it's a scene straight out of a Michael Jackson thriller video right then and there. Did I not tell you that if you believe, 
you will see the glory of God. Skipping over to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, if this good news we preach is hidden behind the veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God, lowercase g, of this world, he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So then to look into the face of Jesus Christ is to see the glory of God unless there's a veil. I want to take the next few moments and I want to speak to three people in the room. I want to speak to Mary. I want to speak to Martha. And I want to speak to the mourners. I want to speak to Mary. I want to speak to Martha. And I want to speak to the mourners. I'm going to speak to Mary. Then we're going to talk to Martha. And then we're going to deal with the mourners. I want to preach to you from this idea. Show me the glory. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Show me the glory. If you're not taking notes, take notes. Show me the glory. Pray with me one more time. Father God, we love you. Jesus, we praise your holy name. Thank you for dying for us and three days later rising again. Thank you, O oh God, that knowing everything that you know about us, all our sin, all our shortcomings, all our mess ups, all the mistakes that we made even yesterday, that you would still allow us to be in your presence today. You are king and you are God. Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Would you do only what you could do? Would you speak through your servant? And would you allow each and every one of us to leave this place very differently than how we walked? in. In Jesus' matchless name, if you agree, can you shout amen? Amen. 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 I've already shared with you that I am from New York. And and in my opinion, I am a part of one of the greatest churches, not only in New York, but in the world. I, I love our church, Christ Tabernacle. But I'm also also wise enough to know that we're not the only great church. There are a plethora of great churches around the world. I believe that Embassy City Church is one of the greatest churches in the world with some of the greatest group. And I heard that the 11 a.m. service is actually the greatest service to preach in. So this is what I know. There, there are several great churches around the world. There's another great church in New York. You, you might have heard of it before. It's, and it's actually located in the place that all non-New Yorkers is, actually believes is New York. But the real New Yorkers know better. Times Square. Church is Times Square Church. Times Square Church was founded by an incredible man of God by the name of David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson was a phenomenal preacher and had no problem preaching the totality of the gospel without holding punches. He, he told it as it was. 
And I was reading a, a transcript of his, one of his sermons that he had preached on June 21st of 1999. The sermon was titled, The Effects of Seeing the Glory of God. As I was reading through the sermon, I, I read this excerpt that I felt like I needed to share with you all this morning. L- listen to what he preached. He said, scripture makes clear that it's possible for every true follower of Jesus to see and understand the glory of God. Indeed, our Lord reveals his glory to all who ask and seek for it diligently. Moreover, I believe the revelation of God's glory will equip his people for the perilous times ahead. The perilous, the hazardous, the threatening, the the uncertain days ahead. Paul states that this revelation is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified as noted in Acts 20 verse 32. See, as I was reading, as I was reading through these notes, I found myself completely agreeing with Pastor David Wilkerson because the days are getting darker, times are getting harder, things are getting rougher, and that's not just me being negative, that's me trusting what the Bible says. The Bible warns us and informs us that as time goes on, it's going to get darker and darker. What was once considered good will be considered bad. What will be considered good will actually be bad. And there's this, all this reverse happening when the days are getting darker. Doesn't bother me too much though. Because although darkness the opposition, darkness is also opportunity. It's the opportunity for your light to shine brighter than ever before. So as people are searching in the darkness, naturally, they are going to be attracted to where the light is. This is why it is imperative and important that each and every one of us make sure that we stay set ablaze because as time goes on and on as it does, as days come and days go as they do, it is important for the sake of existence and the plan that God has that not only we the people but we the church stay ablaze and set on fire so as the world gets darker, they'll be attracted to the the light this is our beautiful opportunity which is why I feel so inclined to preach this message because there are several reasons why it is getting as dark as it is see some might argue that it's dark because not enough people have turned on the light and that's true But I believe there's another reason why it's getting darker and darker like it is. Not only is it that there are not enough people that that have yet turned on the light, but also there are people that once had the light on. That have now turned off their light. I didn't say they stopped going to church. I just said they once had the light on and now the light's off. 
It's why they don't worship like they used to. It's why they don't praise like they used to. It's why they don't shout like they used to. It's why instead of getting early for church, they roll in and they roll out. They're they're not quick to invite the people over anymore. They're not quick to hang out. They're not quick to fellowship. They're not really ones to give words of encouragement. They're, They're not really into the series or the things going on. And it's all because something happened that has now caused them to turn their life what happened life life happens like life does hardship happened hurt happened sickness happened divorce happened brokenness happened I'm, I'm feeling so heavy in my spirit that there are people in this room that you have been waiting on God to do what he told you he was gonna do but have found yourself frustrated as you've been waiting so as a result you stopped believing And the Holy Spirit sent me from New York to Texas to preach to you here at Embassy City Church to remind you of the word that he already gave you. Not necessarily give you a new word, but to remind you of the word that you already got. So let me say to you what Jesus said to them. Did I not tell you? That if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? We're going to take this statement. We're going to break it up in three and we're going to talk about each one. Did I not tell you? In other words, what did you and God already talk about? What was the conversation you already had? What was it that he already said to you about the marriage? What did he say to you about the child? What did he say to you about the business? What did he say to you about the miracle? What did he say to you about the breakthrough? What did he say to you about your future spouse? What did he say to you about the season that you're in? And why is it that you forgot about it? Why is it that you let go of the word that he already gave you? Did I not tell you? Did you know that we don't serve a God that just talks to talk? We serve a God that when he speaks, orbits come out of his mouth and sun goes there and moon goes there and earth exists here. He's not wasteful with his words. When he speaks, he means it. And yet here we are frustrated and annoyed because God did not do what he said he was going to do in the time frame in which we wanted him to do it. But friend, let me give you a reminder that God is not here to operate on your timetable, but he operates in the existence of time. He is time. He is sovereign. His ways are greater than our ways and all his ways are perfect. So although you want it right now, he sees it fit that he does it when he does it. See, you know the difference, the difference between the true worshipers and those that just come to get a blessing? They're upset because they didn't get a healing on day one. But let me ask you, what's better, a healing on day one or a resurrection on day four? Oh, it would be good for Lazarus and Mary and Martha.
the if his cold would have been healed from wherever Jesus was. But Jesus isn't just thinking about Lazarus. He's not just thinking about Mary. He's not thinking about Martha. He's thinking about the mourners. He's thinking about the town and he's thinking about everybody. Here's what you need to know about your breakthrough. Your breakthrough isn't about you. It's about everybody else because when everyone sees what God did for you, the faith will rise up on the inside of them to believe that if he did it for you, he could do it for me. Is there anybody in the room that would say, Lord, if you could use anything, Lord, you could use me. If there are any of those people in the house, just those people, take about 20 seconds and with everything you got, give them a shout. Did I not tell you that? Didn't we talk about this already? Didn't we have the, didn't didn't we talk? Didn't we chat? Didn't I already tell you what I was going to, why are you making me repeat myself? Some of you came in here frustrated like, God, I want a new word. Would you give me a new word? Why would he give you a new word if you didn't steward the last one properly? Why would he give you a new one if you let go of the word he already gave you? Did I not tell you, man? Those are words right there no husband ever wants to hear from their wife. Did I not, did I not tell you, didn't we, didn't we speak about this? Didn't I tell you what I was expecting of you? Did I not? What was the word you got and why did you let go of it? What was the word you got years ago, centuries ago? What was the word you got when you were a teenager? Bro? What was the word you got when you first got married? What was the word you got last week? What was the word you got on that retreat at the last church you were at? What was the word you got when you were home? What was the word you got? You were, you were in your prayer closet. You were in your car driving somewhere. You were at the job. You got a word. What was that word and why did you let it go? This is the moment where God reminds you that his word does not return void. He does not just say things to say things. So if he said it he meant it did I not that if you believe man if you believe it's it's hinged on the if if you believe you have no idea how important your faith is if you believe your belief matters if you believe what you what you really feel on the inside it's what matters most i'm i'm not saying that your shout doesn't matter and your praise doesn't matter but i mean we're being honest we're in the south we know how to do church right i'm not talking about doing church i'm talking about being the church i'm i'm talking about really believing this thing that we talk about not just the kind of people that know how to preach this and then walk off the stage and live another life no no the ones that really that really believe this those that really are smoking what they're selling like like they know with all their heart that he is king he is good and he is God and come hell or high water he is still on the throne and no matter what happens around me or no matter how the storms happen or the rain happens or the trials happen or what the doctor says he is still on the throne and he is God all by himself is there anybody in the room that has that kind of faith to know that regardless of what happens he is still good if you believed so what did you allow to intercept your faith what did you 
Who did you start hanging with? Who did you start talking with? When, well, what did you start doing differently to your routine? Who are the people that you once used to not hang out with now hang out with? What are the shows you never would watch and now you watch? Or what are the things you're now doing because what you don't realize is they're robbing your faith. It's pulling away your faith. The same Mary that would have ran to be at the feet of Jesus, not caring herself with anything else that's happening around the house, is now the Mary that prefers to hang out with those that celebrate death as opposed to getting with the one that created life. Who are you hanging with? Who are the people that you're allowing to speak into your life? Who? The Bible says there's a time for everything. There's a time to weep. There's a time to mourn. But you know not every death is a time to cry. If you got you a word that the sickness will not end in death, why are you crying? Well, because he died. So? What do you mean so? So? He never said death wouldn't be a part of the process. He just said death wouldn't have the final word. And I don't know who I'm talking to in the room, but I know the marriage seems like it's over. I know the business seems like it's over. I know it seems like the child isn't coming home. I know it seems like things aren't changing. I know what the doctor said, but friends, what did God say? I want you to start considering the word of God and stop considering the voices of those that only know how to cry, that only know how to doubt, only know how to gossip, only know how to talk bad about the church, only know how to talk bad about your pastor, only you know how to speak negatively about what you do with your finances shut out the voices stop the voices stop the voices i should be leading the mourners on their way to cry out to jesus the mourners should not be leading me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world i'm not gonna allow a mourner dictate to me what i do and where i go i know what they say but what did god say And what you don't realize is that they have messed up your faith. The things, the practices that you have picked up on have messed up your faith. And as a result, you find yourself in a very eerie, scary place. Which is why you come to church, but it doesn't feel like you used to. It's not that you're in the wrong place. It's that you're in the wrong place. The Bible says... That the glory of God sits in the face of Jesus. The glory of God sits in the face of Jesus. The, the glory of God is in the face of Jesus. To encounter the glory of God, it changes everything. It, it could turn a sad person to a happy person. It could turn an atheist into a believer. It could, it could turn someone that doesn't want to worship or doesn't want to praise into the greatest shouter there is because there is something beautiful about the glory. But is it possible to look into the face of Jesus and not see the glory? Well, yeah, because it is veiled to those that don't believe. It is veiled to those that don't believe. I know the, the verse originally is actually talking about the non-believing person, the non-Christian. But what the verse actually does for us, it reveals to us the tactics of the enemy. It shows us how the enemy works. The enemy will cause anyone to take their attention away from God and have them focus on something else. And if I could just get you to focus on something long enough, you will start to believe in that over the other thing that you were just looking at. So if I focus on this, I'm going to believe that this is great 
greater than my God. So if I get, if he gets me to focus on my anxiety, I believe that my anxiety is greater than a miraculous working God. If he gets me to focus on my depression, then I start to believe that my depression is greater than anything else. If I focus on my feelings, if I focus on my trial, if I focus on my hardship, I will start to believe in those things more than I believe in my God. How frustrating is it? To look at someone that you thought you were in relationship with and they don't recognize you. I mean, I'm no theologian and I know we've argued about this for centuries as to why Jesus wept. But could it be possible that he was so angry that the ones he was in relationship with, the the ones that used to sit at his feet, the, the ones that knew enough to ask him for the healing, now all of a sudden, just day later, see, four days ago, four days ago they knew to ask, but four days later they, they stopped believing. It's amazing what could happen in a day or two, how you could think you're for someone and then not for someone because something happens in the middle. Could this be why he wept? Don't you know me? You know me. You know who I am. You know I'm a miracle working God. You know that I'm the Savior. You know that I'm the Messiah. But you're looking at me differently. And I think it's because you got something in your eye. The glory of God sits in the face of Jesus. But it is veiled to those that don't believe. I thank God that although he tore the veil 2,000 years ago, he still tears veils today. And in the next few moments, veils are about to be torn over your faces, veils, veils of depression, veils of anxiety, veils of anger, veils of bitterness, veils of greed, veils of lust, things that have stopped you from seeing the glory of God. They're about to be torn and you're about to be exposed to the beauty of who our God truly is. Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. You, you will see the glory of God. It may not happen when you want it to happen, but you will see the glory of God. If you, if you just stay on, if you just keep on keeping on, you will see the glory of God. It's actually a promise. This, this big question, this big statement, it actually results in a promise. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you stick with me long enough, you will see the glory of God. If you keep your eyes focused on me and not focused on your circle, circumstance, you will see the glory of God. If you have enough wherewithal and enough faith to look past your situation and keep your eyes fixated on me, here's the promise. You will see the glory of God. Is there anybody in the room that would say, man, I'm tired of acting how I was acting, looking how I was looking, living how I was living. I'm ready for the glory. I'm, I'm ready to see it. You you will see the I'm ready to see the glory of God show up in my marriage. I'm ready to see the glory of God show up in my children. I'm ready to see the glory of God show up in my business. I am ready to see it. If there's anyone in the room, give Jesus a shout. Did I not tell you? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Worship team, you could join me. But you know, it takes one and no one. Because no one is trying to appear, trying to minimize what we go through and the storms and the trials of life. Life gets real. It gets hard. It gets difficult. And it's easy. It's easy to get so caught up on life and its trials and storms 
that we miss out on what it is that God, listen, is not only doing, but what he's capable of. Years ago, my, my son Dylan, I have two children, a son named Dylan, a daughter named Chloe. And one Saturday evening, I was home with Dylan. Mom was at church. Dylan fell asleep in my arms as we watched Spongebob. Only to wake up to the sound of a crying mom. My wife was hysterical crying. We woke up instantly. And the moment I looked at my son, I understood why. My son, who was just perfectly fine moments ago, now had bruises from the top of his head to the toes on his feet. He had blood pouring out of his mouth. In this moment, to be honest with you, Dylan looked like he had been run over by a truck. We rush him to the emergency room. Doctors start to run tests on him. The doctors come back and let us know that Dylan has a rare blood disease. A rare blood disease called ITP. And as a result of having ITP, his blood platelet count was drastically low. See, any given healthy human being at any given moment has a blood platelet count of 250,000 to 350,000 platelets. But in this moment, my son Dylan's blood platelet count was at 18,000. They said, we're going to treat him, keep him overnight. We'll see where he's at in the morning. Morning comes. He's now at 11,000. They said, we're going to treat him, keep him overnight again. We'll see where he's at tomorrow. The next day, he's at 8,000. Evening comes, he's at 3,000. Now the tone of the doctors changes dramatically. And now they're letting us know that anything under 3,000 is leukemia. And there's a possibility where they're going to have to schedule a spinal tap and remove his spleen. I'll never forget walking out of that hospital room so that I could talk to God. I said, God, you see, this is why I didn't want to be a pastor. I was prophesied over at seven years old. A man of God told me that God had me to be a pastor, and I knew that he was right, and I hated that he was right. I grew up in a pastor's home. I know what pastors go through. I know what pastors have to deal with. And I know the pastors are always on the go and they have to give up what they have for others. And, and honestly, I didn't feel adequate. I didn't feel like I would be able to do that. Plus, I also knew that when you serve God, the enemy doesn't play fair. And I would do anything to protect my babies. I start saying to God, God, can you just switch? Like, like, let me get the disease. Let my son be okay. Simultaneously, our church had a 24-hour prayer line going. So I went to call into that prayer line to thank them. Well, as I'm trying to call them, one of my best friends in the world, Chad, he's calling me. I'm trying to backbutton him, but it wasn't working. So I pick up the call, and I just want to tell him I couldn't talk, but he's a way quicker talker than I am. He said, Chris, I'm here with a pastor named Jude. Pastor Jude wants to talk to you. I never met Pastor Jude before that moment. Pastor Jude jumps on the phone and says, Chris, I want you to know 
that I was with the pastor just a few weeks ago and his son had the same situation. Well, here's what happened. I prayed over his son and his son was healed the very next day. Here's what's about to happen. I'm going to pray for Dylan and Dylan's going to be healed by 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. We prayed. We cried. We hung up. Went to sleep. Only to wake up to the sound of the Doctors and the nurses screaming that his blood platelets went up overnight. And, and now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, they can't find a trace of the blood disease in his system. And, and he's completely okay. okay. Can you put the picture of my son on the screen? You, you, you could kind of see the redness under his eyes and by his arms and by his cheeks. You know what frustrates me about this moment? See, before Dylan was born, when he was in his mommy's belly, God told me that he would grow up to be a man of God and that God was going to use him in a great and mighty way and that he would be a pastor and that God was going to use him to preach his word around the globe. So then why is it that if I already had that word about my son, why is it that I was questioning all of that on this day? Why, why is it when my son was in that hospital bed and I knew what the doctors were saying, why is it that I considered the doctor's report greater than the word that God already gave? Why, why didn't I worship through it? Why, why didn't I praise through it? Why did I have to talk to him? I wish, I wish on that day I would have been praising. I wish I would have had my hands up. I wish I would have been rejoicing and they would have looked at me like I was crazy. But I would have said to them, no, you don't get it. I got me a word and I know how this is going to end. See, it's not about what it looks like right now. I got a word. I know day four is coming. I know Lazarus is getting out of that grave. So here's the deal. It doesn't matter what day two looks like. It doesn't matter what three, day three feels like. I know they're hard. I know they're hurtful. But I got a joy on the inside of me because day four is on its way. Friends, can I tell you? It's a beautiful thing to praise him on day four. But it is a better thing to praise him on day one and day two and day three, knowing that day four is on its way. You've been crying for too long. You've been doubting for too long. This is the time where you stand. This is the time where you lift up your hands. This is the time where you open up your mouths because you got you a word and God's word does not return void. It means the miracle is on its way. You're about to see the glory. You're about to get the breakthrough. I'm not sure what day you're on. I just know that this day has an evening. The sun will set on it and the sun will bring you to greater days in the future. If you could lift up your hands in this moment. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.